Well, good morning. As, uh, as Anson said, I am, uh, I am Dan, the, the campus pastor over at Highland Park. So a special good morning to my friends over at Highland Park. Look forward to being back with you next week, as well as those up at the 01 and at our Crossroads campuses. We are in week two of Invest and Invite. This idea that, that we have a, a call and a mission from God to interact, invest in those around us, and invite them to take a next step with God. Last week, Pastor Mike helped us understand what it looks like to truly love our neighbor, who our neighbor is. And he had a very specific question for us. He asked us last week, who are you helping take a next step towards discovering life with God? And I have a very specific takeaway I want you to to walk out with today. And that is you have the greatest recommendation you can make to anyone, anywhere. And my question for you this morning is, when was the last time you recommended something? Right? We, we make lots of recommendations. Right? We recommend restaurants. We recommend vacation destinations. We recommend Netflix series. We recommend coffee shops. Right? A new coffee shop opened up in Highland Park a couple months ago, Coffee Speaks. I went there once, and I quickly started telling anyone and everyone I knew to go to Coffee Speaks. And now we've got another coffee shop that's going to be opening up in Highwood in just a little while. And I'm sure it won't be too long before I'm recommending that. If you knew me before I got married, you would have known, you would have known there was two things that I held on to dearly that I would recommend to anyone. Right? If you came to my house, you would see my room was decked out wall to wall, floor to ceiling in blue and orange for the New York Mets. The walls were painted Mets. The comforter was Mets. The signs were Mets. The lamp was Mets. Everything was Mets. And you knew that I love the Mets, and as much as, as painful as it can be to root for the Mets, I would love for anyone to, to root alongside me with the Mets. Right? And then if you were lucky to stay in my house and be a guest in my house, you stayed in a room that was decked out wall-to-wall, floor-to-ceiling, in Spider-Man. <laughs> right? and, and for some reason, ever since I got married, all my Mets stuff and all my Spider-Man stuff is still in boxes. But we all make recommendations. We, all, we, all, we even recommend church. Maybe you're at one of our campuses today. Because someone recommended that you come to Christ Church. Maybe because of the worship or the preaching or the kids' programs or just the inviting people that, that we have at all of our campuses. We recommend a lot of things to a lot of people, but there's one recommendation we often keep to ourselves. And that is the recommendation that Jesus changes lives. He changed us, and so I want to recommend to you Jesus because he changed my life. And the thing about recommendations is we can't recommend something that we don't love ourselves and we can't recommend something that we haven't experienced ourselves. And so this morning I want to talk about the greatest recommendation that anyone can make, and that is Jesus. Not the church, not the small group, not the Bible study, not the kids programming, but just simply Jesus and how he changes lives. Last week, Pastor Mike started to talk about how we're really leaning into this idea of reaching one. As a church, as we strive to follow Jesus by loving God and serving others and reaching one, being intentional with the people around us. And so this morning, I want to lay out this this thought that as we seek to, to maybe reach one person that God has placed in our life, one of the ways we can do that is simply by sharing our story of how Jesus has changed our lives. And so if you have your Bibles with us, we're going to be in Mark chapter 5 this morning, verses 15 through 20. And let me just set up the scripture for you this morning. 
Mark chapter 5, Jesus has started to gather some crowds. More and more people are following Jesus. He's called the disciples out to, to, to kind of be alongside him in this journey. And as he's traveling around the area, he is teaching, he is healing, he is meeting people, and he is changing lives. And in Mark chapter 5, he just got off the boat in which he was on with the disciples and the storm raised up and he calmed the storm. And even the disciples were like, who is this guy? Even the winds and water listened to him. And so we pick it up in Mark chapter 5 where he gets off the boat and there is this man there. And this man is demon-possessed. And the townspeople have kind of lost their ability to control this guy. And so they've resorted to tying him up, chaining him up, and trying to stick him in this cave outside of the town. They they have no idea what to do with him. He's causing all kinds of problems. and, And they have no hope. And so they're just like, let's get him away from our children. Let's get him away from our city. Let's lock him up. Let's keep him away. Jesus steps into this town. And this man who's demon-possessed sees Jesus and immediately responds by saying, what are you doing here? Right, Because demons recognize the power of Jesus Christ and they want nothing to do with him. And Jesus goes on to heal this man. And so we pick it up in verse 15. You can read along as I talk us through the rest of the story. Mark 5.15 says that the people from the town started to come around and they see this guy who was demon-possessed, who they had chained up. And he's clothed. And he's in his right state of mind. And they are afraid. How did this guy just get so better so fast? How did he change? Because the first thing I want you to hear this morning, the first point I have for you is that Jesus changes us. And this was a radical idea for the people around Jesus at that time because they were used to a world, especially if you were Jewish, where you had to do a lot to be on your best behavior, right? The Old Testament, do it all, try to be perfect, make sacrifices if you're not, lays out this laundry list of things to do to try and be right with God. But yet we started to see in the Old Testament that the prophets would start to look ahead to a new day. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, as they looked forward, that that God would say through the prophets that I'm going to give you a new heart and I'm going to put a new spirit within you. I am going to remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And so the prophets started to look forward to this day where God was literally going to change us, not pretend, not figuratively, but literally change us. And then Paul would pick up on this theme, 2 Corinthians 5, 12, when he would say, the old has gone, the new has come. You are a new creation if you are in Christ. Behold, the new has come. Paul understood transformation because he experienced it himself. If you know the story of Paul, you know that he had a name change along with his life change. He was known as Saul. He grew up as Saul. He went to Jewish school as Saul. He was a, a leader amongst the Jewish people, and he was determined to wipe out Christianity before it got going. And he would hunt down Christians and kill them to try and put an end to this idea that Jesus Christ could change lives until he met Jesus Christ himself. And he experienced the love of Christ, and he himself was changed. 
And along with his change, he changed his name to Paul. And he goes from the persecutor of Christians to one of the greatest missionaries to take the gospel to the Gentiles around Europe, Middle East, and Asia. And a lot of us, most of us, all of us are here today because Paul brought the gospel of change. The gospel that says you cannot change yourselves. You cannot pull yourself out of the hole that you keep digging yourselves deeper in. But no, the gospel says God will come and get you and pull you out of that hole himself through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. By the grace of God and the love of Christ, we can be different people. Our old ways can be gone and we can have a new way of living. And if you've never experienced this life change in Jesus Christ, let me encourage you today to hear the stories in the Bible, to hear the stories that I will share today and consider taking that next step in your relationship with God and stepping over the line and putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. When I think about my own story, I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up in the church. I, say, I always claim that I said the prayer when I was five years old. I've been a Christian my whole life. But the reality is I did a lot of, had a lot of poor choices, did a lot of bad things. And I look back on my life and I think, wow, I'm a different person. One of the things that stands out for me is I had a, a very strong gambling addiction that started in college and carried on for years after college. If you had told me eight years ago, that I could live in Chicago within a half an hour of, I don't know, two or three casinos and never want to go, to never step foot in here. I've been here for five years and I've never stepped foot in any of the casinos around here. If you had told me eight years ago that that would be me, I wouldn't have believed you. Because I lived in New Hampshire where the closest casino was two and a half hours away. And I would go. Because I could not, I, I just would constantly want to, that fix of the, the gambling addiction kept giving me. And yet here I am standing in front of you today to say, I haven't gambled in more than five years. That, that God has changed me. That I don't even have a desire to gamble. Because this new heart that God has given me is changing me each and every day. It changes us. It makes us new people. He makes us new people. And, and I sit here today and I look around and I think, Man, I, I struggle often even with just laziness. There's a lot of times where I just resort to a Netflix series to, to, to tune out anything that's going around me. Or, or selfishness that constantly causes conflict in my marriage with Kelly that I want what I want and I don't care what she wants. Or I even deal with a lot of envy and I look at what others have and I think, oh, if only I had that. Or it would be easier if I had this. Or I wish I had this. Or I wish I had that. And I look forward to the day when those things will not have a hold on me anymore because God promises to see me through to completion. Maybe it's a year from now, maybe it's five years from now, I don't know, but I know that I will be a different person because God is going to keep changing me. One of my favorite quotes, C.S. Lewis, day by day, nothing changes, but when I look back, everything is different. We trust in the slow work of God who is constantly giving us this new heart. I have a story, you have a story of Jesus changing your life. What is that story? And what do we do with that story? So if we keep going in Mark chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, so Jesus has, has, has had his time in the town. He, he heals this man, and now he's going to get on the boat, and he's going to move on to his next place. And this man comes to Jesus in verse 18 and says, I want to go with you. Take me with you. Can you blame him? Who wants to stay in the town that chained him up, bound him up, and banished him to a cave? Of course he wants to go with Jesus. And yet Jesus has a very specific call for him, and it is a fresh call for you and I today. Jesus says, no, you are not going to come with me. 
He says, go back to your friends. Go back to your friends. I want you to hear something. Last year, we, we, when, I, when I was here, I, I talked about neighboring. And Anson said, that, you know, this particular passion of, of going where we are. Going to the people around us that God has put in our circles and sharing our story with them. That, that's the idea behind the June 9th barbecue that Pastor Mike mentioned for the first time last week. And we'll, we'll unpack over the next couple of weeks. But we are inviting all of you myself included, to host a barbecue at your home with your friends, your neighbors, your family, your co-workers on June 9th. And if you're not around June 9th, then pick a different night. But the idea is simple. Put out some good food. Invite your, fr- invite your neighbors. Make new friends. And continue to build relationships with the people around you. And maybe look for an opportunity to share your story. But on June 9th, we're just looking to gather people around. Kelly and I just moved into a new house in Highland Park. And I'm excited for the opportunity to meet some of our neighbors. Just the other day, I met three of my neighbors. You know, we've been in the house for about a week and a half. I met three of my neighbors. But the irony wasn't lost on me because I met three of my neighbors because I was in the backyard building a fence that will prevent me from ever seeing them again. (laughs) Because that's often what we do. But I look forward to having them into our house and into our yard and getting to know who they are and what God's doing in their life. Because the reality about our neighbors is this. They don't prioritize church. There's plenty of competition on Saturday nights and Sunday mornings to to do instead of going to church. And the latest statistics say that the average churchgoer goes 1.3 times a month. So it just is not a priority anymore. And the second thing is if they are thinking about church, it's probably because they don't like it or they don't trust the church. There's been enough scandals and enough brokenness that we all would expect because we are not perfect people, that the church has often failed people and as a result has lost the trust of many of our friends and neighbors. But the third thing about our neighbors is Let's be honest, they don't even think about it. Most of the people in our lives woke up this morning and church wasn't even on their radar. They they wouldn't even think about coming to church this morning. And so if, if they aren't coming to church and we aren't going to them, how will we ever have the opportunity to share our story? In fact, here's a story of one of our very own Brad Dickinson and the impact that his neighbor had on him discovering life with God. Let's watch this video. I'm Brad Dickinson. Been married to my wife, Lori, for about 35 years. We've lived in Long Grove for 28 years. Larry um, and Helen Ebert moved in probably two or three years after we did. I, in particular, like to spend a lot of time out front, you know, maintaining and, and, and improving the landscaping and plannings. I just like being outside. And, it, you know, I'd say more often than not, Larry would come over, um, certainly uninvited on his own volition, carrying a handful of tools or equipment and saying, hey, I see you're trying to uh, trim this shrub. shrub. How would you like to use this gas-powered trimmer or something like that? He always had a better tool for the job. Um, he didn't, though, want to spend a lot of time talking about you know, his equipment that he was bringing or even, you know, how we're doing maintaining our yards or anything. He 
he had questions about my kids, uh, about my wife, uh, what, what we're all up to, what was important to us. And uh, uh, he was very kind of unusual in that. And I finally said, Larry, you're, you're different. Um, you're kind of unique. I really don't understand what makes you tick. Um, and finally, at that point, he, he, he said, well, to tell you the truth, uh, Helen and I are, you know, we're Christian, and we really try to raise our children and, and, and have a household that's, that's very Christ-centered. And, and it really is foundational to, to who we think we are and, and what our calling is. And I said, well, if this is all because of his faith and, and his walk with Christ, I, I want to know more about this. Um, so I kind of took a step back and thought about it, and I, I said, I, I've got a lot of questions. I, uh, I put down on paper probably two dozen questions about God, about Jesus Christ, about the Bible, and said, Larry, you know, I, 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 this is interesting. I'd like to, I think, head kind of your direction or God's direction, but um, I, I, we, I need to talk through these things with somebody. So he, he offered to meet with me one-on-one. He walked through each one of these. He generally had prepared Bible passages, verses to, to, to share and kind of corroborate his answer. And uh, uh, I, at the end of that, as, as you might imagine, I ended up on one knee in my living room, you know, uh, confessing my brokenness, uh, asking for uh, Christ to, to enter my life. And the, and the other thing that um, he and Helen started doing was was hosting not only Lori and I, but other couples in the immediate vicinity of our homes here to Sunday night kind of soup and sandwich um, Bible studies. This was a uh, a way to grow our faith. You can imagine the relationships with our neighbors became much deeper as well. He founded or co-founded a, a, a ministry called African Partners. And roughly every other year, Larry and some other doctors would uh, travel to primarily Ghana. On the way back from, from scouting a site out, uh, tragically, he was involved in a, a, in a terrible car accident um, and lost his life there in northern Ghana. The gift of, of uh, coming to know the Lord and how to raise a, a Christ-centered family was one of the greatest, I won't say gifts, but it kind of a metaphorical way, tools that, that Larry could have ever shared with me. I think it, it really demonstrates the, the power of a neighbor. If it was to change uh, one family the way Larry and I and our children were, were changed, um, it, it would be enormously gratifying to... Uh, to them, to them, and, and to God. Brad's a, a deacon here at the church. I, Brad and I have breakfast with a group of men every Monday morning. He's an integral integral part of, of Christ Church Highland Park, along with his wife Lori. And I just I look at that story, and he's, he has shared that story with me numerous times. Just the idea of that neighbor went to Brad, and the change that, that Brad has experienced in his life through Jesus Christ started with someone going to him. Because he was not going to come to us. The second thing I want you to hear this morning is that we must go. Friends, brothers, sisters, we have the greatest recommendation we can make to anyone in Jesus. And we cannot keep it to ourselves. Because the second part of what Jesus said to this man there in verse 19 is, Go to your friends and tell them what I've done for you. And he goes back to the people and he just starts to say, look at me, I am no longer possessed by a demon. I'm in my right mind. I have clothes on, right? Jesus has changed my life. 
Notice what Jesus does not tell this man to do. He does not tell them to go convince people to believe. He does not tell them to, to go and, and con- tell them what, everything that they're doing wrong. He doesn't tell them to s- explain the whole Bible to them. He simply tells this man to go and share your story. What has Jesus done in your life? How has he changed you? What old has gone away and what new has come to you? Will you share that story with your friends? Barna just released some research about the state of friendship in America. And it wasn't, it certainly wasn't good. In fact, it was highlighting more loneliness than friendship and the reality that all of us face. But it did say most people will say they have four to five friends, and these are the most common places where they meet their friends. They meet their friends at work, we meet our friends through other friends, we may meet them through our neighborhood, or we meet them through school. And there's, there's more other places where we meet our friends. But what I want you to see as you look at this graphic, and I want you to think about is, what is your sphere of influence? Where have you met your friends? Where do you see your friends? Where do you interact with your friends? And do they know your story? Do they know that Jesus has changed your life? And do they know that you think Jesus is the best choice they could ever make? And could we even call them friends if they don't? Jesus lays it out for us. It's a fresh call for us today. We must go to our friends and share our story and make the recommendation to them. Hey, discover life with God. Come follow Jesus with me. It will be the best choice you ever make. And if we started doing this, if we, if we stopped treating church like a place we come and started the recognition that it is all of us, that we are the church, if we, we don't have to change our location, we just have to change our mindset. Who knows what's in store for us at Christ Church? Who knows what's in store for Lake County or Illinois? And the places that we reach because we've got families that are here for a few years and then gone again to somewhere else. Who knows what God can do if we would start to share our story with the people that we are closest to. Malcolm Gladwell often talked about the reality of how cultures and societies shift. And he says ultimately they don't shift because of one major event. It always starts with little changes lead to big movements. And, and he would reference the hush puppy phenomenon in 1994, which, forgive me, I have no idea what that is. I just read about it, right? And, and, but simply saying, like, the manufacturer was getting ready to discontinue hush puppies. They never caught on. And then two people in Manhattan wore them. And then a designer saw it, put it in his window at a store in Manhattan. And then someone in Hollywood saw it, and they made some big 25-foot inflatable. And all of a sudden, hush puppies were a trend in, the, in those mid-'90s like nothing else. But it started with small changes. Tim Keller, founder and pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Manhattan, has a new mission for Redeemer, and that is this, this 15% tipping point that Redeemer, along with other churches around Manhattan, if they can see the population of New York City reach 15% of them believing in the gospel and putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that it will be a tipping point for the city and potentially a tipping point for the world. What is that tipping point for us in Lake Forest, in Grays Lake, in Highland Park, and all of our surrounding towns? 
It's your friends, it's your coworkers, it's your neighbors, it's your family, and they need to hear your story. We must go. Point one, Jesus changes us. Point two, we must go. Point three, we must pray. And we're going to unpack prayer even more next week in the final week of our Invest and Invite series. But if you're like me, it's not pray first, go second. It's just go. Right? I don't practice before I play. I don't stretch before I run. I don't study before I start. And for a long time, I didn't pray before I went. Last year when I was here, I shared with you the work that God was doing in my life around, this idea, around prayer and, and just the conviction and the need to pray that God would do great things. And that has been a journey that I've continued on for the last 18 months to the point where prayer just continues to, to, to be front and center in, in anything that I believe God has asked me to do. Because quite frankly, I'm doing enough. But if I'm not praying, it really doesn't matter. If I'm not inviting God to do his thing, to, to use what the, the, the skills and talents he's given me, to use my time and my effort and my energy, then it, often it's just going to fall flat. And I might be able to get somewhere on my own, but not really, not without God. And not with inviting God and praying to God and asking God to do the things that I cannot do. Because I cannot save people. I cannot change people's hearts. I can share my story, but I can't save people. That's what Jesus does. And so we must, as a church, begin to pray. Last week, if you were here, you may have heard this idea of bless. Mike talked about blessing our neighbors, but it's also an acronym. The B, begin with prayer. The L, listen closely. The E, eat with them. The S, serve them. And then the final S, share your story. And you will be hearing more and more of it around the church as we continue to push forward into reaching one person around us. And when you come back next week, you're going to get a card that looks like this graphic behind me, very similar to the card we used last year when just getting to know the names of our neighbors. Right? Eight boxes. But what we're going to ask you to do this week is we're going to ask you to write down the, the, the spheres of influence you're in, the, the co-workers, the friends, the family, the neighbors specific names of people that you will pray for. And we will launch next week a prayer campaign to take us through the entire summer where you and I and all of us will be praying for the people around us by name to discover life with God. And we don't know where God's going to work, but we're going to pray for everyone around us in hopes that one of those people will be reached, that one of those people will discover life with God. And this will take us right up into the fall when we launch into our our fall series this year, Discovering Life with God. And who knows, maybe the eight people you put on that that card to pray for will be sitting next to you in four months listening to Pastor Mike help us understand what it means to discover life with God. Pray first, go second. Let me finish with a story. We've been doing the Thursday night service over the Highland Park campus for about six months. And we pray every Thursday night at 5.30 before the coffee bar opens and the service begins. And about six weeks ago, I was praying before that service, and it, was, it turned into a very specific prayer. I prayed, God, someone needs a barrier broken down to believe in you. 
Will you break down the barrier so that this person can believe in you? And I, and I had people in mind. I had my neighbors in mind who had checked out church a couple times and we've been getting to know. I had a couple people who had, had come to the service with other friends. And, and so I had people in mind of like, maybe it's this person, maybe it's this person. But I didn't pray for anyone by name that night. That night, after the service ends, someone walks into the church because the lights are on. He asked to talk to a pastor. We go to my office. He goes on to tell me that he uh, had an experience over the weekend with a, sat- a, sat- a satanic organization, and he thinks he's possessed by a demon. Now, I have never myself experienced demon possession. This was a first for me, but I simply went on to tell him, listen, you, pr- you, you very well could be. Demons are very much real. They are very much in, can be in control of us, but Jesus is more powerful. And I went on to share the gospel with him in about half an, hour, half an hour. This young man put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ that evening. And since then, him and I have been meeting every week to read the Bible together. And he is following Jesus and looking to follow Jesus and growing in his relationship with God. Right? I prayed for him that night. I didn't know I was praying for him. But he needed something broken down to believe in Jesus. And God did it for this young man. You have a story of how Jesus has changed your life. You have a story worth sharing. You have the greatest recommendation you can give to anyone. Let me encourage you this morning not to hold on to it tightly, but to let go of it loosely and to see what God does with your story in the lives of the people around you. Let us stand together side by side in our cities, in our neighborhoods, in our towns, in our workplaces, and give God the freedom to do mighty things where we would see people coming to know him as Lord and Savior, that we would see our own tipping point in our own neighborhoods and schools and communities. But this morning, what I want you to hear is that it starts with your story. Jesus is saying to you and to me, Go to your friends and tell them how I changed your life. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you for changing us. Thank you for this new heart and this new spirit. Thank you for giving us a way forward. Thank you for securing our eternity through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God, give us the courage to follow you. Give us the courage to share our story. God, give us the courage to begin to pray for the people around us by name that they would discover life with God. Father God, may our schools, may our cities, may our county turn to you by the dozens, by the hundreds, by the thousands. May you be glorified. In your name we pray. Amen.